My name is Diana and this is the Family Finance Show, the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better. Every week we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt and investing for the future. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Family Finance Show. Today I have a special guest on the show. His name is Francis and he has been a fan of the show for quite some time. I don't often get to meet fans of the show or interact with people who listen to the show, but Francis met my husband and because our surname is quite unusual, said to my husband, oh, are you related to that podcaster? And um, my husband told me that he'd met you, Francis, and how passionate you were about personal finance and what a fan of the show you were. So we got in touch, we started chatting, and it's so great to host you as a guest on the show tonight. Welcome. Thanks, Diana. I'm happy to be here, finally. <laughs> yes. So let's start where I start with all the guests in the season. Maybe you can describe a little bit about your family. It's yourself, your wife, and you have a young child, I believe. Yeah, um, very pretty small family, just a family of three, myself and my wife, and uh, our 20-month-old daughter, traditional uh, African family uh, with roots in East Africa very much grounded we, we kind of close-knit uh, family my wife and I degree educated sort of pursuing different uh, professions uh, uh, my background is in engineering she's more in the investment side of things um, so yeah we'll just see you where the little one takes after <laughs> yes at such a young age everyone is always interested in like does does the little girl take after the mom or the dad even with my kids who are older now that's a constant discussion in our house um has it changed your life a lot to have a, a daughter she's been with you 20 months how, how has it changed your your life and your family finances to have a another little person as part of your family yeah i must say um being a COVID, a COVID baby was a bit of a, a hard one for us. Uh, mm. with not much support, uh, families are in East Africa and with the lack of movement, um, we found that, you know, that adjustment was quite steep. We've come a long way now. 20 months later, we're starting to enjoy that journey. Um, in terms of finances, you know, it's sort of like, uh, made us, uh, be aware that now we've got another being that we have to look out for getting the planning together for their future and uh, from my viewpoint uh, it couldn't have happened at a better time because uh, from a person of finance journey I've educated myself around you know what I need to do to cater for uh, for, for a family for a little one so I'm pretty confident that with all the knowledge I've gained and, you know, listening to your podcast and the likes of uh, Warren and them, you know, I'm I'm sort of start, at least starting out off uh, in the right platform. Yes, it certainly sounds like it. And when we had a discussion before, before we started recording, you mentioned that you went on this personal finance journey. It wasn't something that you grew up knowing. It's something that you sought out, knowledge that you sought out, knowledge that... Uh, 
or a subject that you educated yourself on later in life. Am I right? Or did you also have some prior knowledge around personal finance from childhood? Yeah, you're right. It's, it's something that I've uh, constantly um, like just stumbled up upon over the last uh, 10 years, but uh, I, I didn't really get into it earlier. I sort of like would listen to topics around it. I guess it's also because of um, there was a lot of information that is that flows around. Um, growing up, I was more, you know, conservative in the sense that very scared of of of, of debt, credit, mm. coming from a cash based economy where um, you spend what you have, and if you don't have it, then you just wait uh, till you're able to afford, and then you can spend. So that was the background with which um, I sort of approached uh, money or personal finance. Um, but over the years, you know, listening to shows like yours, reading books, um, I started sort of like getting into it. And it was only four years back when I, uh, you know, I took the plunge and said, okay, let me formalize this and talk to a professional. You know, what does this entail? The planning aspect, you know, how can I, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? that I started taking it serious. It sounds like you were very proactive with your the way that you went about doing this. So it sounds like you, you did the research, you read a bit, you read some books, you listened to some podcasts, this one included, and then you saw a professional. So how did you how did you find that experience of seeing a professional um, financial planner? In what ways did it help you? I think it's it gave me perspective that was different to what I was thinking about. It enabled me to see uh, planning as uh, as a long term uh, game, as a marathon, so to say, and it sort of uh, demystified that whole idea because my idea of like, uh, like you know from a point of view like investing or saving whatever it was was that oh, it only makes sense if you're putting in a lot of money or if you have a lot of money that you're putting in, you know. But uh, speaking to professionals sort of like demystified. Uh, but the biggest takeaway for me was um, the idea of the importance of costs, you know, mm. in terms of costs and how they affect uh, any return that, that, that it is that you are probably anticipating to make. Um, so I think that was the biggest thing that I took out from it. And also just the idea of um, diversifying uh, investments um, and how to approach that. Very interesting. So costs, I assume, would have done a budget then because that's the easiest way to get a handle of, on your costs. But it's something that people generally avoid doing so so can you can you elaborate a bit more on how you went about cutting costs or did you not need to cut costs was how, how did that um help you to further your financial goals it helped me one become very intentional around understanding where it is um the money is going um because at some point you know that you work you earn probably a decent amount at the end of the month. Um, but come end of the month, there's usually sometimes there's a surplus. Uh, at times you're like, hmm, this this month, how come the surplus is not as, as big as it was before? Um, where did it go? Uh, my approach previously was 
always around um I understand uh, the obligations that I have uh, from a debit owner perspective, uh, what flows out in terms of just uh, the day-to-day living expenses. Um, but I was not very intentional around, you know, understanding to the extent that if I was to have a chat, uh, I could say I spend 20% of my uh, of my salary on, on, on uh, assessing uh, my bond, for instance. So it, it gave me that predictability, if I can, if I can say, uh, but also it gave me a glimpse into where most of the cost items were going. But uh, more importantly, um, it changed my perspective to sort of putting money away first before spending, mm-hmm. because now I knew how much I was, I was able to spend or I knew how much the spend was uh, on a monthly uh, basis. Um, and then going forward, uh, then it was more around, okay, how do I now approach uh, this investment uh, journey with a view uh, to manage costs uh, that I incur in the process of, of, of investing? I loved what you said about being intentional about your spending, because I think often people, they avoid speaking about costs because they think that that automatically means cutting costs. So if you have to have a discussion about costs, it means oh, we have to cut costs. But that's not really the point of it. It's about being intentional about where you spend your money. And I interviewed my husband for a previous episode, and we spoke a little bit about that and how you align your values. And it's very much what you're saying about being intentional with that spending. So you've come a long way then, uh, Francis, and I assume that you've got the basics in place, especially since you've educated yourself so much on personal finance. So do you have an emergency fund in place, for example, and have you ever had to use that emergency fund? Yeah, I do have an emergency fund. When I started listening to uh, podcasts, I sort of listened to Warren Ingram religiously. It was a common theme that was coming out, you know, First thing, you need to have an emergency fund for a rainy day and all that. So, yeah, I had that covered uh, six to 12 months. Uh, you know, I'm able to cover the expenses. And um, I think five years, uh, almost five years now, while I was planning for my wedding, my car all of a sudden gave me issues, you know, and that was on the month when we were supposed to be having the wedding. And I was thinking, damn, this is, this is just going to mess up a lot of things. But then I remember that, I had an emergency fund and that to me qualified as an emergency. So it didn't feel like I was actually caught in a sticky situation. I mean, uh, it was in the region 40 to 50 that I was able to pull out uh, Mm. to address the car issues. So I think at that point is when I really appreciated the, the concept of having an emergency fund and being able to use it without... Uh, having to think about where the funds would be coming from. Yeah, very interesting. I've also had to use my emergency fund from time to time, and it's always unplanned. It's not. It always comes at a bad time. An emergency always comes at a bad time. So, yeah, I, I could, there couldn't be a worse time than the than the month that you were due to be married in. But that's that's why you have this fund. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the first step for many people. Well, it's also paying off debt. So you have to pay off debt, and you have to have an emergency fund, and then you can start with investing for the future. But we also chatted uh, briefly about 
uh, voluntary retrenchment. And I, I think that you managed yours in a slightly different way to another guest we had on the show, who was Alex McPhail. He was retrenched during um, the SAA layoffs uh, during the COVID pandemic. You took a voluntary retrenchment, so a slightly different situation. Can you describe for listeners a bit about how you managed your personal finances around that big event? Because that's clearly a very big event in anyone's financial life to lose your income. Yeah, I think the journey that I'd uh, sort of embarked on over the last uh, seven years uh, prepared me to make a decision that, or to, t- or to take a decision that w- uh, seemingly looked uh, crazy. Um, naturally, I'm a very risk uh, adverse uh, uh, person. I don't take risks. Uh, I fear uh, to commit. Um, but with the advent of, uh, of of COVID, I took a step back uh, and I said, uh, "Things are happening uh, quite fast." What would happen if, uh, you know, uh, because at the time, I think a lot of people were losing jobs. And uh, if tomorrow I was not able to have the earning power, uh, what would my exposure be? And because of uh, sort of like putting into practice what I'd been reading, what I'd been listening uh, to from uh, the different podcasts, I was in a position where, uh, to me, uh, the only liability that, that was there was was the house so it looked like it was just it's like a rent that i'm paying um so uh, whether i have an income or whether i have a job or not i would still need a roof uh, over my head so it was at that stage um with the organization that i was in going through some difficulty and the opportunity was sort of presented itself uh i looked at it as you know an opportunity to to take a leap and uh, possibly try and do something different. Um, I was not scared because um, I thought from a financial point of view, uh, I was pretty much uh, in tune with my spending. Only thing was that, you know, the bond would have to be serviced. But I also backed myself uh, sort of to, to emerge uh, and be able to find something within you know, the next six months, even though I knew I would probably, uh, the worst I could go would be a year without an income, um, I would still have been in a better position. So I, I thought, okay, this was it. And, you know, the background or the fine personal finance journey uh, enabled me to take that decision. Uh, I took that decision towards the end of uh, last year. And I didn't sit home for too long. Uh, I managed to get myself uh, something to keep me busy uh, as of this year. So, yeah, I think the lesson was that, or rather I was very thankful that uh, I had taken a handle in terms of understanding my my finances, understanding my expenses, uh, but and still at the same time be able to take a decision that would seem uh, crazy. And would you say that you benefited from that decision? Because if you found a job quite quickly and you had a, a fairly good payout from a voluntary retrenchment, would you say that it, it improved your financial position to do that? 
yeah, I think it improved. It improved it, uh, but also it gave me flexibility in terms of uh, opportunities that I I could uh, go after. Um, so yeah, I think it it improved uh, because now all of a sudden there was this buffer that has been uh, created, and the way I look at it, it's either accelerating my a journey towards uh, being debt-free. Above all, it's just uh, made things a little bit easier uh, for me and has also given me uh, options. Mm. Mm, interesting. So, Francis, another point that has come through as a recurring theme in, in most of the guests on the season of the podcast is that people uh, made some mistakes earlier on in their financial history, let's call it. Did you make any mistakes earlier on before you know the things that you know today? Yeah, I think the biggest mistake that I made was not starting earlier or not being uh, hungry enough to understand uh, finance. Um, I was sort of like just comfortable knowing that I had a job, there was a pension that I was contributing to so as far as I was concerned, the future was being sorted. I didn't understand, you know, that that might have a shortfall or it might not be enough. So I think from that perspective, I could have started a bit earlier because uh, I think if I recall, it was around 2008, 2009 when I started, you know, listening to this thing. But I only took action eight to 10 years later. So mm. that time was wasted. Uh, secondly, other than you know the pension, the regular contribution that that goes through the work, I sort of stumbled upon an asset manager through a friend who said, "Oh, by the way, have you? Do you know about this? You know, you, you can put a minimum of five hundred every month. Uh, you can put a lump sum, and you know, you don't have to be contributing big." So I went with that route, and I was like, "Okay, this and my pension, I'm covered." But what I didn't know is that there's costs to to worry about, right? Eight years later, nine years later, I was looking at the performance and then I was like, holy crap, I haven't uh, made much of a movement uh, in terms of return. So this whole idea of uh, time in the market, uh, could it be that it's actually not true? It's dependent on, on the amount that you put in. But what I didn't realize is that the asset manager's uh, fees uh, were eroding in most of the returns that I was making. So I think in terms of a of, of mistake, I view that as something that I didn't do enough of my homework around that. And now what I do before I get into anything, I need to understand what it is that I'm getting into. I need to understand uh, the implications. I go back to the, to the books that I've read or I have someone I can test with uh, in terms of a financial advisor, in terms of what I'm trying to do. So, yeah. I think, yeah, those those are some of the biggest mistakes, I think, uh, or things that I would have done differently. Oh, yeah. I think that point that you made about fees is so critical. So I was, I was kind of the same. I looked around me and you'd see on billboards, asset managers advertising or in um, magazines or newspapers back in the day, you'd see all these advertisements for the asset managers, best performing asset manager of the year, 2008 or whatever. And you think, Oh, wow. Mm. Um, this is, 
this sounds like something I should do. And then the fees just really erode any gains that you've made. And it's interesting that you doubted whether time in the market is actually, um, it does actually work because your experience through this asset manager was, was that it didn't. And that was because the fees were eating away all your returns. So I think one of the key action points for listeners out of this episode is just to check the fees of all of your investment and, and do your research. I think that we did an, I did an episode with Thomas Brennan about fees and how fees make such a big difference uh, over the long term. So yeah, this is a, a really critical point. And I think also people, when they start trying to learn more about personal finance, there's so many charlatans out there and so much misinformation. I remember before I met Warren, who who gave me a very clear idea of personal finance, I'd been trying to find out some information from other people. And it's always a friend or a colleague tells you invest in this or do that. And um, I remember going along, somebody told me, oh, come to this evening event, we're going to learn about personal finance. And it ended up being a multi-level marketing thing and people getting you to try and buy into some multi-level marketing and they try and sell you this thing. And yeah, I think this is also really critical for people is to find the right information that can really help them instead of listening to sales talks from people who are just trying to sell them something. So you should probably always ask yourself, what is this person trying to sell me before you kind of listen to the information that they're sharing? And on that note, uh, Francis, you've talked a lot about um, how you educated yourself, which I find uh, really admirable. I think you've done such a good job of, of self-directed um, learning in that. What advice or, or um, what recommendations, let's say, do you have for listeners around books? You said you've read a few books on personal finance. I know that you listen to, to Warren's Honest Money podcast and this podcast and any other resources that you found particularly helpful when it came to financial planning and personal finance and family finances. Yeah. So the books, um, uh, I always, I defer to, I've got the copies of Warren Ingram's book, um, all the books that he has, uh, I share that with family and friends uh, as sort of a, a way to start. Um, but these days with the uh, with a lot of stuff, content being online, uh, digital, I think podcasts are, are real-time in the sense that um, they cater for a lot of the changes that have happened in the environment that we are in. So, I listen to different podcasts just to get different uh, perspectives. Um, for instance, I would listen to podcasts just to understand uh, stuff to do with ETFs. I would listen to this podcast, you know, just to see how ordinary people like myself are navigating through this. And it's through those uh, podcasts that I also pick out what other resources are there from what people have read. Uh, but as a starting point, um, I think Warren Ingram books were quite uh, useful. And his podcast is also very useful in terms of just educating uh, one uh, and studying. But uh, I guess uh, I would also add that, you know, perhaps speaking to a professional uh, also helps just to, you know, put everything into context. 
Mm, yes, I, I really second all of that. Uh, I've also read Warren's books and, and find them excellent. The other personal finance book that I often recommend to people that I really like is Sam Beck Bessinger's book, uh, How to Manage Your Money Like a Grown-Up. I just left the swear words out just because it's a family finance show. Yeah. But um, her, her book is also excellent, just really simple easy place to start. So yeah, there are a lot of resources out there and podcasts have the advantage of, of being free of charge. So you, you can start, start with podcasts and buy a book, a reference book if you need it. And yeah, it's, it's not really that hard. Actually, it's just takes a bit of time and patience to, to try and find the correct information out of everything that's out there. Yeah, in fact, that book is one of uh, was one of the best books that I'd read. It's quite uh, humorous. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, she's a great she's a great author. I love yeah. I love Savin. I've had her on the podcast twice. If the listeners want to find it, it's uh, some of the older seasons. Just search on the website or on podcast for Sam Beck Bessinger, and she spoke about compound growth, which is which is one of my favorite episodes mm-hmm. of all time. Um, she has a very humorous style and very educative. She she really helps people understand fairly complex subjects quite simply. So that's another one to add to your list if you haven't read it yet. So I yeah. think we've got to the end of our time here, Francis. Thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the show and for sharing your personal finance journey with listeners. I, I'm sure that people will find a lot to take from this episode. Is there, before you go, is there anything else you'd like to mention, anything at all before we wrap up? Just to say thanks, uh, thanks, Diana, for having me. I think your show is is really, really brilliant uh, in the sense that it speaks to, you know, the ordinary folk, uh, you not being a, a finance person, but, you know, having those conversations with the day-to-day people. I think it's one of those podcasts that I've, at least informed me of some of the th- uh, topics that I've uh, I-, I probably grapple with, even when making some of these decisions. I-, I remember going to one of your earlier shows where you were talking around uh, retrenchment and preservation funds or something along those lines. So there's a lot of uh, good that you're doing, and yeah, mine is just to encourage that. We, you keep up the good work. Thanks so much, Francis. That really means a lot to me. Uh, I appreciate your words and I appreciate that the podcast has been able to help you and hopefully other people as well. Thanks. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being. 